Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. as parents and I think that it's important for us to also recognize this as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, that you can get yourself in a lot of trouble quick if you don't understand. Uh, you've got to have understanding because if you don't, if you don't have the proper understanding, you will make decisions and choices and take steps in your life and in your journey that could later haunt you. Anybody, uh, is that anybody's testimony this morning? I made some decisions I wished I hadn't have made. Yeah, so we've got to have the proper understanding. So we've been talking about gaining understanding that would guide us and direct us in the paths that we need to take. And so we've, we've said a couple things. We've, we've been looking at what Jesus would have us understand. And there's no doubt that Jesus spoke very clearly about some things that we need to understand. We, for, we for said first that he spoke about understanding our mission. Our mission is this, found people find people. We've got to understand that. If we are going to stay on task and stay on mission and not get sidetracked by anything else, then we've got to understand that found people are missioned to find people. And then we said that after that, Jesus not only talked about this, he modeled it for us. He dealt with our mode. We, our, our mission is found people, find people. Our mode is saved people, serve people. In fact, they go hand in hand. You find people by serving people. And then last week we said that he not only dealt with our, our mission and our mode, but he also spoke to and illustrated for us our mindset. That our mindset is this, that, uh, that, that converted people change. There is growth. You have to experience growth in your walk with the Lord or you're not accomplishing everything he would have you to accomplish. He's not satisfied if you just bloom once. He wants you to continue to produce fruit throughout your life. And so those are three of the things. I don't know what that sounds like to y'all, but the th three things that we talked about so, so far, mission, uh, mode, and mindset, deal with in, uh, encounter, equip, engage. Uh, I, uh, different letters, but basically the same thing. But this morning what I wanted to do is I want to go one step further. Now, Jesus goes into an area here. As, as we use him as our model, he goes into an area here that causes most Christians to get very nervous. And so this morning, uh, what I've recognized as I've been around church folks is, is that we don't mind shouting preachers down when they talk about finding people. We'll even get a few amens when we talk about serving people. When we talk about growth, we, we don't mind talking about growth. That encourages us too. But at the moment we start talking about what we're going to talk about today, we get nervous. And in fact, I would say it like this, uh, this message today is where we separate the men from the boys, all right? And this is where we recognize whether we're really in this forever for, for the right in reasons. Because here it is, check this out, Jesus not only talked about our mission, and not only talked about our mode, and not only talked about our mindset, he deals with our means, Y'all already nervous. I felt it. Just go. Everybody got nervous. He's going he's to talk about money? That, I, I'm nervous. Well, kind of. We're going to talk about a little bit about this morning. In fact, what I would say to you this morning is just hang on because uh, this is where one of Jesus' own disciples stumbled when it came to means. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to join me in Matthew chapter 25. 
we're going to go back into another parable. We've been looking at different parables throughout the course of this series that Jesus used to teach us, and then he modeled for us after that. He w- he's better than most preachers because he would say things, but then he would actually do what he said, right? And so he does that again this morning. He deals with this parable. Matthew chapter 25, beginning of verse 14, Jesus says this, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. And immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seeds. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he have he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty brutal parable when you come right down to it. But it teaches us and gains for us a hope and understanding that we need to come to grips with. Jesus said and modeled, found people, find people, saved people, served people, uh, converted people, changed. But this morning what he wants us to learn is this, graced people should be generous. Graced people should be generous generous. See, some of uh, some of us get nervous when we start talking about this, but what I need you to understand is this. Jesus will never be satisfied with just owning your soul if it has no bearing on every other area of your life. Y'all missed that. Jesus will never be satisfied just owning your soul if it has no bearing on the rest of your life. See, I knew it was going to be quiet this morning, but that's all right. Uh, see, what I want to say to you this morning is that how much of the tangible he own, has ownership over in your life really reveals how much of your soul he owns. Did you get that? How much of the tangible of your life that he has ownership over 
determines really how much of his soul he controls. There are some understandings that we've got to come to. See, we cannot be that church that believes God's word in regards to salvation, but then refuses to believe God's word about the possessions that we have. We want to shout about salvation, and we want to get excited about salvation, which we should. I told you that we will celebrate salvation more than anything else, but we must also recognize that Jesus doesn't just deal with our soul. Jesus deals with our entire life, and so we've got to come to that understanding. What we must embrace is this fact that we have been impacted by the greatest gift and the greatest treasure in the world. It's called grace. How many of you are thankful for grace this morning? I am thankful for grace. That is the greatest gift and the greatest treasure that we can ever encounter or experience. And at the moment that we are graced, it should produce in us a generosity level that impacts our greatest treasures. You'll get that here in a second. The greatest treasure we receive is grace. And when we get that, it should so impact us with a sense of generosity that it impacts our greatest treasures. And so we must become generous. This this parable reveals something that we need to catch this morning. I want you to catch this. If you don't catch anything else, catch this. It reveals that you can know the master and still not give him adequate access to your generosity levels. Catch that this morning. This parable teaches us that you can literally know Jesus and if you're not careful, you refuse to allow him to deal with the possessions of your life. If you don't believe that, I know you say, well, that's just a parable. That's just a made-up story. Okay, let's go to two real stories. What about comparing the lives of two men in the New Testament? What about Zacchaeus? Uh, We like to talk about Zacchaeus. What we normally do when we start talking about Zacchaeus, I always want to say Zacchaeus, a wee little man. Y'all know that song? Okay. Y'all want to sing? No, we don't want to sing this song. Okay. We will... We focus on the story of Zacchaeus on two things. We focus on his tree-climbing ability. And we focus on his vertical challengedness. He was short. And that's all we focus on. What we forget to focus on and what we forget to applaud is the fact that when Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus, he has this generosity level that is sparked. And, he, and do you even remember what he does? The Bible says that he comes out of that relationship with Jesus and he makes this statement. He says, I will give away half of everything I have. And then he goes one step further. And he says, then not only will I give away half of everything I own, I'll go back and I'll pay back four times what I owe everybody if I took it wrongly. That's generosity. He has this one-time encounter with Jesus, and generosity is sparked in his life. But remember what I told you the parable teaches us. Because you can contrast Zacchaeus' life with one of Jesus' own own disciples. Get get the contrast here. Zacchaeus meets Jesus once and his generosity level changes. But Judas is with Jesus every day. Face to face, every day, interacting with the Son of God. And somehow, some way, he never allows the grace that Jesus was teaching and illustrating and showing and modeling to penetrate his own heart to the place that Judas begins to line his own pockets. He was stealing from Jesus. He was greedy. 
In fact, one time a woman came in and, and anointed Jesus' feet with oil, and Judas got aggravated and said, that's a waste. That was a year's worth of wages for that perfume. She wasted it. He railed against an act of worship because he never allowed the grace of Christ to penetrate his generosity levels. God, help us that we haven't become like Judas more than we are like Zacchaeus. Because many of us have had encounter after encounter after encounter after encounter with Jesus, but we never allow that encounter with him to penetrate our generosity levels. Say, I'm preaching. Y'all don't like it, but I'm preaching. That's just the truth. Christians are the stingiest people in the world. You go ask any waitress today that, that you go, wherever you go eat, you go ask her, just ask her, seriously, ask her, uh, ask her this question. Would you rather wait on Christians or non-Christians? Because, see, if Christians will steal from God, they'll steal from a waitress. Y'all didn't get that. If we won't give God 10%, we certainly ain't going to give no waitress 15%. It, see, what we refuse to do with God penetrates and it has implications for the rest of our life. Just telling you the way it is. I know you don't like it, but I'm just telling you the way it is. We've got to allow this encounter we have with Christ to impact not just our soul, but our entire life. So we need to understand some things. Out of, out of this parable, let me uh, teach you some things. We've got to understand this. The generous understand ownership. When you really boil it down, if we are going to be generous like we should, then we have to come to an understanding of ownership. Uh, I'll take you back to the uh, parable and, and say to you that you ought to go back and read it yourself uh, real carefully because what it reveals is this. Where did all that the servant owned come from? From the master. He didn't he didn't get it himself. It's not like he went out and secured it himself. That parable says the master gave him one talent. So what we've got to understand is this. I think because we think that we work hard for what we have and because we think we actually secured what we own by the sweat of our brow, that that is off limits to God. I got that myself. No, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. I worked 40 hours this week. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, you did, but you didn't. Y'all with me? We don't understand ownership if we think we get anything on our own. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? The Father above. Everything that you own, everything that you think that you own, everything that the bank owns that you think you own, came from the Father. Every good and perfect gift comes down. And if we're not generous, then we just don't understand ownership. Because it's not hard for me to give away what's not mine. In fact, if you need something given away, just call me. I'll give it away all day long. Won't bother me a bit. I'll give your car away, your house away, your kids away. I don't care. I don't own them. But then when it comes to me, I want to draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'll give you everything up to a point. Just don't mess with my boat. Don't mess with my house. Don't mess with my bank account. Don't mess with my friends. I own these things, or do they own me? If we aren't generous, then we don't understand ownership. We are not owners. We are nothing more than stewards. We are managers, if you will. I don't know if you know this, but you're a trust fund manager. 
That's why God has entrusted you with things, and they're never yours. They're his. They're just on loan to you. And so we must understand ownership. See, we'd be a lot more generous if we understood that we're giving away stuff that's not ours. Am I right? And so you've got to understand this. Listen, as a body, we've got to understand we don't own anything. If we are going to be the generous body that God is wanting us to be, and I'm going to tell you about some ways we're going to be generous and that we are being generous. If we're going to continue in that that way, then we have got to understand that just because you sit in the same chair every week, it's not yours. And just because you park in the same parking lot or in the same parking space, if somebody else pulls in there, you can't go run their car out of the way and say, that's mine. We don't own anything. We, not, we must understand this truth. Generosity must be practiced. See, generosity is in our genes, but so is greed. There's a, I don't know if y'all, re- I know you know this. There is a war being waged inside of us right now. Generosity is battling it out with greed, and we have to determine which one's going to win. See, I, I've discovered this. Generosity is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. And if you don't use it, then we, it shrinks and we're less generous, right? How many of you have ever given something away? Just raise your hand if you've ever given something away. Okay. Do you remember the first time you ever gave anything away? You think about a kid, two years old, has a toy, and you ask them to share it with another kid. Instantly it's revealed in us there is this war going on. I've I've discovered something. The first time I ever gave anything away, it was painful. But I've also discovered that the more I give away, the easier it is. It's a it, it has to be practiced. Generosity is one of those traits that we have to beat our bodies into subjection to master. Right? The more you give away the more it is easier to do so. If we're not careful to continually practice generosity, the greed gene in us will rise up and we will become stingy, greedy. So I just want to encourage you to practice generosity. Well, I have nothing. Yeah, you can be generous even if you don't have much. You can. You have to practice generosity because generosity doesn't just deal with finances. Generosity is attitude. You can be generous in your attitude. Generosity doesn't just deal with finances. It deals with service. It, it, it has all these implications. Your time, we must become generous. The third thing I would say to you this morning, is, and we must understand this, is that generosity reveals relationship. How generous we are reveals whether or not we're in relationship. All you got to do is go back to the parable and you understand that the last servant had, that had the one talent had some major relationship issues. The, the first was this. He didn't really trust God. When you boil down, right down to the bottom of it, his major relationship issue was this. He really didn't trust God. He thought, if I go out and I try to improve on what the master has done and I'm generous with what he's given me and I lose it, then the master will be mad with me and I'll suffer and I'll be short and I won't have enough when he gets back. I really don't trust the master. Are y'all hearing me this morning? The reason that most of us are not generous, because here it is, when we really boil it down, we really don't trust God. We think he's going to leave us hanging. 
Oh, I know we quote that we've never seen the righteous forsaken or the, 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 the seed of the righteous ever begging for bread. I know we quote that, even when I quote it wrong like I just did. We quote it. We just don't believe it. And so what we do is we think that we can do better than God can. I can manage this better than God can. So what it comes down to is we don't trust him. We trust us more than we trust him. That's what happens in this, this parable is this man comes to think, you know what, if I don't, if I don't do nothing, I'm, I'm just going to bury this because I don't really trust the fact that if I go out and try to, to, to be generous and try to double my master's investment, then, then he's going to, he just didn't trust God. The, the second issue is that there was a major love issue. Hear what I'm saying right here. The servant loved what he had more than he loved his master. Jesus was very, very clear. In fact, he makes it so clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He, he makes it abundantly clear, this fact right here, that the number one competitor for our worship will be what we own. He says it like this. You can't serve two masters. You will love the one and you will hate the other. So what he's saying is that if you're not generous, then there's a love issue and you love what you own more than you love the one who gave it to you. See, we love God, but we just love what we own more than we love God. I, listen, I know this is not a comfortable understanding, but listen to me this morning. If, if you individually are going to be blessed, and if we as, as a body are going to be blessed, we have got to come to this place where we love God more than we love anything else. And we trust him to this fact, to this level. I will give away everything if you ask me to. And I trust you so much that I know you'll come through and I'll never be short. And I love you so much that there's no question. This guy didn't love his master. Let me tell you. If you want to see, here, here's your litmus test for you. Here's your assignment this afternoon. If you want to see your love level for God revealed in black and white, go look at your financial statement. Go to the bank. Go online. Get If you still use checks, go get your checkbook and start looking at where your money goes. Well, it goes to house me and to feed me and to clothe me and to transport me and to entertain me. And there's a common denominator in all those statements right there. Me. And so if I am spending everything I own on me, then maybe I worship me. Our use of what God has invested in us to steward and manage reveals our relationship by how I in turn use it. And if everything you have goes to you, and there's no assistance to the poor, there's no assistance to those in need, if there's no benevolence, there's no generosity, then maybe it's because you really don't love God, you love you. And how many of you know that people that love themselves are not generous? Yeah. Jesus talked about generosity, but being the greatest preacher he ever was, he is the greatest. He modeled generosity. 
I think we forget this. You think about how generous Jesus really was. The fact that he shows up on planet earth was the most generous act ever known and ever will be known to mankind. He left the opulence and the beauty and the majesty of heaven on high to come and live in our neighborhood. I don't care how nice your house is today. It doesn't have carpet of gold. And your door is not a pearly gate. He left all of that. It was the most generous act the universe has ever seen. He modeled for us that we are called as believers to give everything away. Our lives away. We've been graced. If we have encountered grace, we should be generous. Let me say this this morning. I think where we get in trouble is we put levels on generosity. I would just say to you that there really are no small acts of generosity and large acts of generosity because it's all relative to what you have at your disposal. Some have ten, some have two, some have one. At your level of ability, you should be generous. And so what I'm calling you to do is just be generous people. Give your seat away. Give your space away. See, you don't have to be rich to be generous. You just have to be in relationship. So, there's a truth here that I want you to catch. Because isn't it funny that the most generous people that you know always seem to have more? How is that? How is it that we can give stuff away and it always, haven't you met those people? They're always giving stuff away and yet they always seem to have more than you. Can we make the correlation this morning that graced people must be generous? It's their generosity level that helps them to become a channel for more. I want you to be blessed. I want you to receive more than you ever thought possible. But much of that is going to be tied to whether or not God can trust you to be generous. Let me share with you two examples of generosity this morning that have taken place. Uh, last two weeks ago when we started this uh, series, three weeks ago when we started this series, I said to you that we've encountered five miracles. I've told you about two of them, uh, physical things uh, that have taken place. Let me just share a third one with you this morning, and I'll share the others later. We started financial peace. Some of y'all are going to be kicking your own selves in the rear. I'm going to see what you're just doing, just like this. We started financial peace five weeks ago. Many of the people that started financial peace did so out of desperation. That's why we did it our first time. Many of the folks that started financial peace couldn't even pay their own registration fee to be a part. I can't afford to go to financial peace. You're going to hate yourself right now. All right? You can't afford not to get your financial house in order so that you can be generous. We start the class. Two weeks in, I get this phone call. This guy calls me. I don't know him. I've never met him, but to my knowledge in my life, he calls me on the phone, and he says, uh, this is so-and-so. Are you Steve? And I said, yeah. And he said, you pastor that church, right? And I said, yeah. He said, I found your church on the website, not our website. He found us on Dave Ramsey's website because you registered the class that you're offering. He said, my wife and I graduated from financial peace several years ago, and it changed our life. He said, in fact, we had a tragedy where we just not too long ago lost everything, and God has just, we, we were so faithful that we followed all the principles, and it's just been a miracle. 
I was like, cool. He said, can you meet me for coffee? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know you, but yeah. He said, I just want to make a little donation to, to the church for, or to, to the class for attending. And I said, that's really cool. I said, all right, I'll meet you. I meet him on a Thursday morning at Starbucks. He tells me his story. Nice guy. As we're getting ready to leave, he hands me eight envelopes. Now, backtrack. Week two of financial peace teaches you that your first step in getting your financial house in order is that you create what is called an emergency fund. And since we're, most people that are going through financial peace are struggling financially, it's not a full fi uh, emergency fund where you, which is three to six months of your income, it's $1,000. Put $1,000 aside for emergency so you can start paying off your debt. This guy asked me, he said, how many first-time students are in financial peace? I said, eight. He handed me eight envelopes with $1,000 in each envelope. And I said, now, do you want me to run that through the church? Like, you want to donate to church and let me write a church check so you get the tax credit? No, I don't. He said, I don't want any of that. I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah. He said, I want to fund all eight students' emergency fund from the get-go so that they can start working on their debt. And then he said, I did this because God has been so good Now let me bring it even closer to home, and I, I think they stepped out. It's probably good because I was going to embarrass them. But how many of in setting in this setting like this have had an encounter with a young couple in our church that are probably the most generous people I've ever met in my life? Are you pastors? How many of you have ever had Woody and Jesse do something for you? Like they moved something for you, they loaned you a car, they just gave a car away. I'm thankful Woody can preach because he, I don't know if you've ever stopped by here on a Wednesday night and hear him, he's bringing the word to our young people. But let me just tell you the truth. I would want them on our team, whether, even if he couldn't preach his way out of a paper sack, because they're generous. They, there is no doubt in my mind that they know the Savior and that the Savior has impacted their life and that they're in close relationship with him because they give everything away. Most of you, or a lot of you, there were at least 10 to 12 in this service. You wait till next service. And you will see perfect illustration of people that don't necessarily have a lot that are willing to give it away. Here's the deal. You say, well, Steve, I can't give $8,000 away. No, I know. But what about the $8 in the drive-thru for the car behind you? What about the 80-cent coffee to the guy standing on the side of the road? What about the 80 minutes you could have served? What I'm saying to you is this, is that we must develop generosity so that it will overtake the greed in us. I just want to make this declaration. We're going to, I make these declarations and then you got to make them true. Okay? I can stand up here and say a lot of things and then you can make me a liar. I want you to make this true. I want to make this declaration. The people of passion are going to be the most generous people on the face of the planet. We've already started that process. Jessica and I went and visited this school right over here. This one that you can throw a rock and hit from here. Found out some in interesting information. There's about 500 kids in that school. And the principal looked at us and said that it was 80, 85. 85% of those kids live below the poverty line. 
That is unbelievable. Everybody that lives in Bethany would typically, or at least maybe not that live in Bethany, but, but that think about Bethany, think it's this affluent, pri almost private community. And 85% living under the poverty level. And I, I don't know how Jessica left, but I left with my heart broken. But we looked at that principle and said, I, I don't know, we're going to make this happen. We're going to help. So we've already uh, agreed that we're going to buy a backpack for every kid in the school. And she asked us to feed them about six times a year because she knows, the principal knows that the kids get there hungry. And so they're doing these programs after school and the entire families come. And we said, you know what, we can do that. And then we said, not only that, we have a food pantry that we've started. And we're making that available to you. I'm just going to tell you, folks, if we're not doing that, we can build the nicest buildings and have the cleanest, which we don't have right now, but we're going to have the cleanest parking lot on the planet. <laughs> Y'all know. <laughs> we can have a weeded flower bed. We don't have that one either yet. We can have nice cool air and nice cool lights and all that. But if we don't have generosity, then we don't understand that grace people must be generous. I want to challenge you this morning as your pastor. Find a way to become generous. Start small so that you don't come screaming to me. It hurt. I gave everything away. Now what am I going to do? Trust the master. Why don't you start small? Why don't you give a meal away? Why don't you give a smile away? Come on, everybody just be generous right now and smile at me because some of y'all have been looking mean at me this morning. Simple little acts that change people's lives forever. Graced people. How many of you have experienced grace? Prove it. How do you prove it? By generosity. I want you to stand with me this morning. My question is simple. Would anybody describe you as generous? Oh, they can sing, but are you generous? They are a hard worker, but are you generous? They drive a nice car, but are you generous? Would anybody know that you've experienced grace by examining your generosity level? Father, this morning, this may be one of the harder of the understandings that we need to come to. It really is. Father, I recognize this morning that deep inside of us there's this battle that wages on a regular basis where greed tries to rise to the top. Fear comes to the top where we're not sure we're going to make it. Father, this morning we repent, we repent of not trusting you. Your word really is true. Your word really is true. You won't leave us hanging. You always come through. You are our provider. Yeah, we, it, it seems like times you let us cut it kind of close. And just to be straight up with you, God, that gets old. But we recognize this morning that that's part of the faith-stretching process in our life. That you will never let us grow to a level where we don't have to depend on you. So, Father, this morning, I just pray that you would increase trust levels in us and increase love levels in us so that we would really love you more than we love anything else. 
And Father, I just pray that you would begin to use us as graced people to be the most generous. I pray that there wouldn't be one time that we go to a restaurant and we are not generous to those that are serving. God, I pray that we would be generous with our attitudes and that as graced people we would offer grace. We wouldn't be mean. We wouldn't be hateful. We wouldn't be stingy. But we would be grace-filled people that know how to extend grace. Father, I know this for to be a fact. When we prove faithful with a little, according to what your son taught us in this parable, then somehow, some way, it just seems to work out. The more generous we are, the more you give us to be generous with. And so, Father, this morning I'm praying a blessing on my people. I pray that as they step out in acts of generosity this week, this month, this year, God, I pray that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on them that they cannot contain. And I pray that they'd be quick to give that thing away. Mark us with generosity, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you'd say, Steve, I recognize this morning that the greatest act of generosity that's ever taken place is that Jesus came, He died for me on a cross so that I could in turn have relationship with the Father, but I don't know Him. I've not had that encounter with Him, and I want to respond to that level of generosity, that act of generosity, and I want to ask Jesus this morning to be my Lord and Savior. And I came in here, and I don't know Him, but I want to know Him. And if that's you this morning, would you just quickly raise your hand and pull it right back down? We won't embarrass you, we promise. We just want to pray intelligently. Is there one that would say, I need to respond to that kind of generosity? Is there one? Yeah, there's one. Anybody else? Let's do this. Would we all, let's just all pray together. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. He took my sins. He took them to the cross so that I could have relationship with you. I accept that generous gift today. Jesus, come into my heart. Take my life. Let me live for you. I give you everything. I make you Lord. In Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.